Hello and welcome back for another episode of Forgotten Voices. Happy opening day of baseball, happy almost returning of hockey and basketball, and happy would have been the opening a day of the Olympics. In honor of both me and Supriya's love of sports and the importance we think that it holds globally, our episode today is going to be about the Olympic refugee team that would have been competing this year and has competed in 2016. So some short history. Um, The Olympic refugee team was created in 2015 and first competed in the 2016 uh, Rio Olympics. Its official acronym is EOR for Equipe Olympique de Refugee. Excuse my French. Um, Ten athletes competed, and um, in 2017, the International Olympic Committee created the Olympic Refugee Foundation after working with, after um, collaborating with the UNHCR since 1994. Their mission was to create safe, basic, and accessible sports facilities in areas where there are refugees, displaced migrant population, or internally displaced people, where all children and young people can play sport and take advantage of sports multiple benefits and develop sporting activities that can be successfully implemented within these safe environments. The Olympic Refugee Foundation has worked in Turkey, where they've reached over 25,000 girls and 18,000 boys, Jordan, where they've reached about 10,000 girls and 10,000 boys, Kenya, um, Rwanda, Mexico, Colombia, and the DRC, and are prospectively supposed to be programming in Bangladesh, Colombia, and Uganda. So that's that's crazy. That's amazing that we are able to uh, provide these youth youth and adults these forms of programming for their you know mental health, physical activity, and a social bonding activity as well. So, like Kate mentioned, today would have been the opening ceremony of Olympics in Tokyo. Because of coronavirus and the situation we are in, they will be taking place next year. July twenty third will be the opening ceremony. So the International Olympic uh, Community has provided 49 scholarships to promising athletes from 11 countries. Uh, Who the finalists are will be announced next year after the qualification rounds. So these 49 athletes come from 18 host countries, ranging from Australia to Kenya, Europe, and the United States, um, and represent 11 sports. They represent wrestling, judo, taekwondo, cycling, swimming, badminton, boxing, shooting, karate, weightlifting, and other athletics as well. So just like a little overview of where do you see this Olympic team during, um, you know, the opening ceremony and kind of how are they placed? Uh, Because we all know Olympics are very uh, nation-based, you know, by your country, you carry your uh, flag of your nation. So during the opening ceremony, this team will march with the Olympic flag Uh, right behind Greece in second position. The flag, the Olympic flag will be raised um, and the anthem will be played for all representations, including medal ceremonies. And they will stay in the Olympic village and get their own welcoming ceremony at the Olympic village, just like every other Olympic team. So we wanted to go a little bit in depth about a couple of the participants that we um, read about. One, participant that really stood out to us was Aker. He's a wrestler. At age 14, ISIS imposed role in his home city in Iraq and were recruiting boys about his age, and he had to get out. He said, I didn't want to leave, but I had to. Now 20. 
Um, he's now 20 years old. It was a very scary experience. I didn't know where I was going or where I would end up. I was separated from my family and following a group of others. I was scared whether my family would survive the war. I had to look after myself. The whole situation was very tough psychologically, and I've had to see doctors about what happened to me. He originally escaped Iraq through Kurdistan and ended up in Austria, which he had never heard before. He said it was hard, but he had made a lot of friends who had really helped him. And he now says he loves Austria and thinks that it's a very beautiful country. The food is great, and he loves the mountains. And he says they feel like home now. Being involved in sport and being a sports person has helped him settle. My, his, he says that my talent opened lots of doors for me, and I made a lot of friends through wrestling. There are tough things about being a refugee, filling in forms and visas, going to the government to prove you can stay in the country. All of this is difficult, especially when it's not in your mother tongue. So I was very happy to get the Refugee Olympic Scholarship in 2019. He again says, it's my goal. It's the biggest dream to compete in an Olympics. And because I don't have a nationality right now, it would be great to show that refugees can compete and succeed too. So just like I care, um, I want to touch, I want to give you guys a little background information about uh, Biel. He competed in the 2016 Olympics for the 800 meter um, event in the track events. So he fled from conflict in South Sudan in 2005 with his mother and brother. They were both, they were all rescued by the UN and placed at the Kakuma refugee camp in Kenya. Um, like I mentioned, he competed in the 2016 Olympics, and currently he's a student at Iowa Central Community College and also a board member for the Olympic Refugee Foundation. His message to refugees is this. My message is that nothing should make you feel ashamed to be a refugee. The only response is to work hard, go to school, prepare yourself, and try to change your life through your skills or your passions, and to find any way to become a better person. Don't allow the past to take you back to problems. Show people that we need time to make changes, and people should know that the UN is working to make refugees safe. We need to say thank you on this day to those who are helping refugees. He says, sport gave him safety and friendship, and now I'm trying to contribute through sport. And so now comes to the core of our episode today. We want to focus on how, just like Bill said, how sport is fundamental to one's development, fundamental to a recovery. And really part of um, your life, it's integrated in all of our lives. During coronavirus, none of us have had sports these past four months. We've all turned to different, different forms of social gatherings, different forms of relaxation activities. And you know, for someone who is privileged enough to have a roof over her head and be able to eat um, their meals and you know, wake up safely, we have been so devastated by this lack of programming for somebody who doesn't who doesn't know what tomorrow is going to look like, sports are their entire world. Whether it be by playing, by coaching, by, um, you know, anything at this point. So he he mentioned um, more, you know, during 2016 about the the power of sports, and he said we were ambassadors for a message of hope that anything is possible. We as in refugees, sorry. A good thing have come out of our situations. The world understood. I'm called a refugee, but you never know when someone else might become a refugee through war or persecution. 
We wanted to show that we responded positively. So that made me very happy. Through sport, we can unite and make the world better. And so like Kate mentioned before, there, uh, the foundation is really working together now in all, all the host countries and just all the places that there's war and persecution going on. And so it can, it can be used um, as a tool to unite people. In the Kukuma camp, for example, uh, Biel mentioned that they had 19 different nationalities and that they created friendships, supported each other through sport. In 2016, the refugee team didn't have a country, but the 10 athletes made one team. Sport is a tool of sharing for better, better health. And this is the value of the Olympic movement, the value of people. They value people. Yeah, and I think like sports being a universal language is a really powerful thing. Um, if you just think about why the Olympics are so amazing and why the World Cup is so amazing, because to play sports as a team like soccer, you do not need to be able to speak the same language. You just need to share a passion and share an understanding of what's going on and the ability for that to bring people together and to make people feel at home without really having to have a home is extremely amazing. And, um, and I think that because soccer and baseball in some countries and basketball in other countries is such a universally celebrated sport, it really just gets rid of any matter of where you were from before because everyone can share a love of something with such a common, um, can share a love of a common interest that brings everyone together. And some uh, partnerships we want to share with you guys uh, so you can also get yourselves involved with or, you know, continue supporting your favorite sports team um is of course the international olympic committee the fc barcelona foundation the world taekwondo federation international judo federation the asian football confederation and many many more so you know things that you are part of are also helping these refugees find a home um find a chance to heal develop and grow it's we all know sports is a very positive catalyst for these communities to help strengthen your social cohesion and forge closer ties with the host communities and really within each other, kind of develop who you are as a person. And I think another important message from Biel is he was talking about COVID and he said, just like with refugees, this is a situation where we need to come together as human beings to support each other because we never know how long it will take to improve. We need to support those in need. Refugees know that. But we are in this as a family. So I say, don't lose hope. Let's bring back some humanity and friendship. And I just think that's a beautiful and extremely relevant message. <laughs> it's it's very beautiful message. And you know, something Kate and I like to touch upon every episode, and he did as well in his, in his um, quote, is that you have to thank, he said, thank who are helping you, but also to remember, like, they are not victims, they are survivors, they are able to lead themselves. Um, and there is a refugee-led organization actually called the African Youth Action Network, and they promote peaceful coexistence with host communities through the medium of sport. So, you know, they're not depending on anybody. They're asking you to help them to um, to coexist. You know, use it as use it as a protection. Use it as forming new friendships. Yes, and. I guess as a concluding thought, none of the sports we listed were team sports yet. There is not a um, 
uh, Olympic refugee team for soccer or for hockey, but think of how, like I was saying earlier, how amazing it would be if that, if we get enough support for this to have that happen and to have, I think that would be the most representative thing of the, of the ideas of the Olympics as a whole, a team playing on the field as one made up of a bunch of different nationalities coming together for the love of the game. So thank you for tuning into today's episode. Uh, We wanted to share with you guys some positive news to remind you that there are good things happening in the world and that a lot of people are helping and that, um, you know, to do your little part as well. Happy return to sports. Thank you.